This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you haven't heard about Anchor, let me tell you, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Check this out. It is free. No, I'm serious. It's free, 100%. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor then distributes that podcast for you, and you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can also make money from that podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome back to another edition of Lauer After Hours. My name is Will, and this evening we are thrilled to be joined by a couple of writers, a couple of radio hosts, podcasters, the hosts of the Late Night Happy Hour, uh, airing Monday through Friday at 10 p.m. Pacific time. And according to their Twitter bio, I, I was kind of curious to, to find out more about this Crime Fighters. Um, I'm not sure what kind of crimes these guys are, are fighting exactly, but we are thrilled to be joined by Andy and Brian, the Kamenetsky brothers. Give it up for me, y'all. That's quite innovation. I, I don't mean to complain, guys, but when everybody clapped at once, it does that Zoom thing where it sort of cancels each other out and yes, there's no yeah. sound. So if everybody could clap individually. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll go around the horn. I'll do it here. Yeah, we almost got it. Yeah, we always got it. Well, we'll do it in post. It's like a shave. We just didn't get it right. Yes, exactly. We we gotta we gotta have an order. We'll set an order for that next time, and we'll just individually golf clap for you guys, Uh, fellas. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. Or well, I say this evening. You guys are on the West Coast. Uh, I think it's about four o'clock there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right on, right on. So um, before we start, I, I got kind of a, a serious place uh, to, to kind of a serious question to ask you, um, which is this. Are the Jazz for real? <laughs> I think it Who wants to take that one. It depends on how you're defining for real. You know, do you think they are a legitimately good team? Uh, my answer to that would be yes. I think they're one of the best teams in the West. I think they're one of the best teams in the NBA. Do I think that they match up well against the Lakers, who I think are still considered the presumptive favorite? The answer is no. So right now, I would not put my money on them in a seven-game series. That doesn't mean that they're not for real. It just means I think the Lakers are for realer, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And you covered that in your latest pod, right? Well, yeah, I mean, that's the same. We've asked that question for like the last nine <laughs> late night happy hours, which I, I believe right. is what you were getting at. I believe yes. there was a, a small troll in there. Uh, but I, 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 uh, 
I mean, they're real in the sense that, like, if you're comparing them to, like, you know, Puff the Magic Dragon, like, that's, they're not, that's not real. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, look, I, this is, you know, you have, there's some fan service going on here. People want to know if the Utah Jazz are good, because if they are, they might beat the Lakers, and that's uh, obviously of interest to our, our L.A.-based uh, audience. And so um, I appreciate the question. I don't have the answer to it. And, I, and we're not going to find out. Even like, We were supposed to find out a week from, uh, you know, a week from yesterday. A week, you know, so on Wednesday next week when they play the Jazz, except AD won't be playing, so we won't learn anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's all useless. Like everything yeah. that's going to happen for the next like you know three weeks is completely useless. The way I, I I just revealed that I don't get my own show, so that that was in and of itself a little embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, I, I was a little surprised that you didn't pick up on that. that well, I to be totally of. honest, I mean, since there's like 15 people on the show, I don't know if everybody was actually familiar with our show. Well, so, like, I, there is, a, in, in fairness to myself, it is possible to think that that question could be asked in earnest as people who are, I think, potentially seen as NBA people. And we're not the only people asking this question. That being said, yes, I should have recognized that pretty quickly. <laughs> well, you did, you did a wonderful job answering it. I think both of you did because, uh, yes, prediction radio is kind of silly. Uh, like, it's hard to answer those questions uh, because there's too many factors involved, right? Uh, it, you'll know in the postseason if they, they match up against each other. Um, but for, for folks that aren't quite maybe not familiar with, with your show um, and kind of your careers, could you give uh, our listeners a little rundown of, of uh, basically the stops that you've made along your career so far? How long is your show? Um, <laughs> all right. So basically, like people ask us a lot. They're like, well, how did you get started in this? You know, you, did you go to journalism school? You must. Well, no is the answer to that. Um, Andy was a, a drama major at USC. I was a history major at Vanderbilt. Um, we we got our first sports writing job uh, working for ESPN, the magazine when it first launched, you know, in the relatively early 2000s ish. Uh, we were doing what essentially amounts to like joke writing for the front of the magazine, a little section that they had there called the jump that became uh, a regular job, you know, where we were sort of featured and put in the masthead for ESPN, the magazine, which we rolled into doing the first Lakers blog and the first Dodgers blog. I think one of the first blogs they had at the LA times, they were the period. first sports blog. Yeah, okay. Sure. So the first sports blogs at the LA times, um, which it should be noted really hasn't advanced much past that from, from how they use blogs. They're still a little stuck in the stone age back there. Um, from there, we jumped to ESPN when ESPN did their locals project and like, you know, launched ESPN Los Angeles and ESPN Dallas and ESPN Chicago and all that. We covered the Lakers for, um, for ESPN LA and joined the radio station. Um, then we got laid off. And we got brought back and we got laid off again. <laughs> and uh, in between, we worked for the athletic and we worked for the players tribune and then we got laid off from those. <laughs> and, and now we host the late night happy. Awesome. Quite an entire Dave, ride for these listeners right now who want to follow hey. in footsteps. 
yeah. if, if nothing else, it, 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 uh, it sends the message, never give up. Right. Like you'll, you'll probably be brought or, back again. Or never or, take this path. Or, <laughs> like, or ever give up and path. go do something. Yeah. Go do something yeah. better with. No, no, life. no. We, I, I don't want, I don't want anybody to misinterpret this. We are strongly recommending giving up. Yeah. <laughs> we are big, big proponents of giving up. Like, uh, it would be irresponsible of us to really recommend anything else. <laughs> yeah. For, uh, uh, if it like go, go into something like accounting or uh, something, if you, if you want that steady or plumbing or electric electrical work, if you want that steady, anything, anything, I, one of, one of my best friends in college, she dated a guy who was a woodworker. He made a canoe, like he found a, like a, like a fallen tree and he, he made a canoe out of it and it worked. It was like a real canoe and it worked. You could paddle around in it. I would recommend people do that because there's never been an era in human history where the ability to make a canoe wasn't useful. Yeah, um, that's the, true. So I, I would go with that. Okay. Okay. So you heard it, heard, heard it from them, uh, a career advice, learn how to make a canoe. All right. Um, uh, love it. So I, I'm going to throw it off to our, our first uh, uh, Lauer Ranger that's got questions on that note. I'm going to send it over to Jeff. Jeff, go ahead. Oh, God, how do I follow that up? Um, well, thanks for joining us, guys. Um, as, uh, as you kind of caught on, there are a large number of us and all over the country. I'm up out in, I'm actually in Orange County, been out in SoCal with you guys. Um, and I think it's fair to say that we got a lot of, we get a lot of crap as LA, found, LA fans out here, right? Like fair weather or show up late or whatever. Um, you guys have been out here for a long time, but you're from St. Louis. You grew up Cardinals fans, right? Or yeah. remain Cardinals fans. <laughs> Best fans um, in baseball. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> my question is, is like how Classiest. how how do you actually explain explain the LA fan to the rest of the country who just sees us as crap fans? I I think you need to distinguish in a lot of ways. You know the the difference between the people you see courtside at a Laker game. You know, a lot of them are just either celebrities or people with incredible connections versus the average sports fan in L.A. Like, I mean, I, I bartended for years all over the city. And, you know, one thing that I saw that I mean, it sounds cliche as hell to go to go here. But one of the things I, I saw that really could, you know, unify people if for if for nothing else, what do we want to watch on the TV at the bar was a Laker game. You know, I mean, I bartended when the Lakers won championships and, you know, people of all, you know, socioeconomic, racial, uh, whatever backgrounds all got really, really excited over that stuff. You know, I mean, at, the, Lakers, the, the success of the Lakers is fundamental to, for, for America to progress to a post-racial society. It's what Andy's saying. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, it, it, like and look, the Lakers have won 17 championships and we still have not achieved racial harmony. So it just shows how far we have to go. I mean, 17 is a lot. Like, I mean, in, I guess unless you're not willing to count the Minneapolis ones. But still, even well, it's then, been balanced by the Celtics winning, which is the, the opposite of racial. No, those Celtics yes. championships did nothing to unify <laughs> races across this country. But I mean, like, I, I think people need to remember, like, when, when, when people show up late to different sporting events around L.A., the largest reason, the overriding reason is because these things start at seven-ish. People are just getting off work. 
most people in this city work and it's a bitch to get around this city. Like there's a lot of traffic. Like it's, it's not because they're fair weather. It's not because they're bandwagon jumpers. It's, this is a bitch of a city to get around. Like if, if you happen to work in like Long Beach and you're trying to get down to Staples Center for a 730 tip, that's going to be tough. Like th that's really the reason I'm not trying. I mean, there are plenty of reasons you can bag on LA. That's just not a good one. No, that's true. I mean, if I want to go to a Lakers game from, I, mean, I live in Santa Ana, two and a half hours early, probably. You should spend the night down there the day before. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, so that's a good point. Um, the other question, well, I I promised my brother, who's a big fan of you guys, that I would give, oh, give him one question. <laughs> I would give him one question and I'm going to read it. And I really hate to read it uh, because I, like Andy, went to USC my brother went to Vanderbilt. Um, really? Yes. So the huh. question is. <laughs> my one, God, don't go down our path, Jeff. I'm, I'm really. I, like, seriously, this is starting hey, to even, even worse. Even worse, the path he went down is law school. Yeah, I, I do. I your path that. is probably better. I, I don't know. Um, no, Are I, you using this opportunity to announce a show from 11 to 12, Monday through Friday? <laughs> Yes, exactly. I'm writing those coattails. Uh, but no, my, my, my asshole brother's Go question out, was... Howard, 10 to 11. <laughs> which one of you is actually more intelligent and why is it Brian was his question. Which I, I'm angry I mean, about, but... I, it's, that is correct. I mean, I, it's probably genetics, um, reading, uh, <laughs> things like that. I mean, Andy's probably nicer. But like that's not important. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I've, I think I'm pretty sure I've always been smarter than Andy. Like going back to my earliest memories of when I was able to kind of quantify these sorts of things. Um, but yeah, I mean that is correct. It is me, and it's it's just I, I, so some of us are touched in that way, um, and Andy wasn't. No, so. I I can live with it. Brian's smarter. I'm just more interesting to be around. Like and and people enjoy being around me more. Like Brian is more intelligent than me. He's just more repellent. And that's, that's the burden. That, that allows me to keep just the right amount of people in my orbit. I don't need that many people. No, too many people is too much. Hats off to you then. <laughs> oh God. Well, I desperately didn't want to ask that, but he's going to love it. So thanks guys. Appreciate you guys joining us. Look, if we can be a fan service, Jeff, <laughs> to people, we're, we're here. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm glad glad that was settled. Um, all right. I'm going to throw it to Jeanette next. She's got a, she's got a question for you. Go ahead, Jeanette. Uh, hey, guys. Um, I'm also a longtime fan. I have followed some of your career path, the where are they now? Oh, they what came did you back. Skip? Some of it. <laughs> I mean, Grant, the I bartending. I skipped the bartending. Here. I wasn't there at the right. bars with you guys. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was too young. <laughs> I would say from like 2011 to 2016, I wasn't really dialed in. But you know, other than that, I was there. <laughs> so um, part of what you guys have done is um, in covering the, the Lakers is, you know, pregame, postgame. Sometimes you guys are there for rookie debuts, um, historic mm -hmm. blowouts, historic wins, uh, all these wonderful things that um, are great to report on. But there's also awkward moments. So I would like to revisit one that I think you, one of you or both of you may have been a part of. And it was the media scrum 
when Magic Johnson (laughs) announced that he was stepping down as president of the Lakers. So can you guys please take us into that moment of what it's like to just be hearing those words and experience that uh, whole thing, please? Well, I, I believe you are referencing where I, Andy, became a meme. Um, because I, I happened to be sitting, I are standing, I should say, next to Magic when this announcement came, like really just next to him. And you see my eyes bug out. Like, I mean, like this is like a like a Tex Avery cartoon or something. It's like, whoa, what? It's in fairness, though, to me, nobody expected this at all. Like, I mean, like including Jeannie Buss, like nobody actually thought this was going to happen like when magic actually did that presser which was totally impromptu unscheduled nobody knew it was coming luke walton had just finished his pregame presser and everybody thought this was going to be luke's last uh pregame which or not it was but that would the overriding questions of that day was just like when is luke walton going to get fired and as Luke finished his thing, and Luke even acknowledged that, you know, uh, the awareness of this narrative, Magic walks in and says to Ali Bogley, who, who runs media relations for the Lakers, that, oh, you know, there's all this media here. I, 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 I want to speak as well. And I, I thought Magic was kidding. I, did, I thought he was just joking around being Magic. He ends up going behind the, the podium, the lectern. And I was like, oh, I, I guess he is going to actually address us. I thought that he was going to either confirm that Luke was going to be fired after this, like this was Luke's last game, or he was actually going to come out and say, Luke is not getting fired and like putting this to rest. And he starts out, he's just like magic and he's talking and whatever. And then he, he weaves into, and I will be stepping down. And then my bugged out <laughs> reaction just like, what? But I, I think everybody was thinking what I was expressing. I was just the only one who looked that you know, shell-shocked visibly and just also happened to be standing right next to Magic. He's also like a foot, foot taller than me. So basically, I'm doing that expression at about his stomach, which also makes it a little more humiliating. I, I, I look like an adult child next to him. So yeah, I, it's fun. I love the meme. I think it's hilarious. Yeah, I was actually tending to the children at home and um, had to, I just looked at my wife and I, I was actually, I can't, I can't remember if I was leaving. No, you know what it was, is I was on my, I was going to come home and then go back, which I, I sometimes would do because I live pretty close to the arena and I had to turn around. And I was like, I think Magic Johnson just resigned and I had to turn around and go back to the building. So that was, that was an insane night. Um I, it was the, the whole like the whole magic experience was just something. It was sort of like living through his Twitter feed, um, like this sort of unrelenting optimism mixed with things that you're not quite sure are particularly helpful. Um, and so, you know, that was the end of that. But it was it was I, I missed the magic era a little bit. 
I just looked up the uh, images from that press conference. And yes, uh, Andy, you are uh, so close to him. You were in every shot yes. him in, in front of that wall. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I actually I, I became part of history. Like, you know, yeah, when, you were forever when, immortalized. Yeah, I mean, because this was a really big deal in L.A. sports history. It's, it's similar to how Vic the Brick is always going to be seen in that photo of Kobe after the 2006 uh, Suns playoff victory where Kobe, you know, pulls his jersey back to show his heart and Vic the Brick who ran onto the court, which you are not supposed to do, (laughs) and is behind Kobe, like, whooping it up. Like, Vic is forever immortalized in that moment. I am forever (laughs) immortalized in that moment with magic bugging out my eyes. That's funny. I feel like there should be a series of people who are in the background of famous memes, uh, you know, like get, get to know uh, how they experience those those moments that go viral. I feel like that that's could a be a brilliant idea. That, that could, it could that's be pretty a interesting. Really great idea. <laughs> um, like hate- you're not the center focus, but every time that meme shows up, your face is right there alongside the 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 centerpiece, you know. Um, I All hate right. to do this, by the way. Can, can you guys yeah. still hear me? OK, yeah. Okay, we Absolutely. we uh, we had to have um, a handyman come by today uh, to fix something and indoors COVID whatever. Um, just want to make sure I'm still visible. Or, uh, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely good. Absolutely good. Andy, Andy takes us very seriously, even when he podcasts. He yeah, yeah. He, he doesn't want to get us doesn't want to get us sick over Zoom. I appreciate that. That's courteous. <laughs> um, all right, thank you very much, Jeanette. Uh, up next, we're gonna throw it back to uh, Miami. Uh, uh, Kish has a couple questions for you. Go ahead, Kish. Hey guys. Um, so actually, uh, I'm from Miami and I'm living here again now. I just moved back, but I actually lived in St. Louis for seven years. Oh, cool. And um, yeah, one of the, I think, most underrated parts of St. Louis that not many people outside of there uh, really know or appreciate is how great the food scene and also like yes. even the beer scene is pretty great. So um, what are your favorite spots down there? Okay, that's hard because neither one of us have lived in St. Louis for like 20 years. Um, Andy longer. Um, so can I can I talk less about like actual individual restaurants, most of which probably have closed? Um, is Carl's still there? I love Carl's. The Carl's, Carl's driving the way you get the the smashed hamburgers and the the root beer, where they make their own root beer. I don't think it's still there. No. Oh, that's disappointing. I haven't been there. Um, well, you should. That one was. I love that place. But like, I um, I I will. Okay. I you know, there's obviously everything that's on the hill with the Italian food and the and the uh, you know toasted ravioli and all that stuff. I will defend the honor of St. Louis style pizza. Like, yes. Very few things are trashed more on the internet than St. Louis style pizza, um, which is admittedly very thin and very crunchy. Um, and some people compare it to eating like a cracker with fake cheese on it. But and it is like Prevel cheese is what is put on top of it, which is technically, I don't think, a cheese that God made himself. I think um, it's technically plastic. I, I don't I don't. I, but like God gave us the ability to craft that sort of cheese which is basically the same thing and it's we're allowed to use yes can we curse here yeah it's fucking delicious like that stuff (laughs) it's amazing and so um like provel cheese melts beautifully it tastes amazing and it's when you get it done right and it's hot mixed in with especially a little bit of mozzarella st louis style pizza is excellent and so i will you know it is way better at the very least 
than the bullshit that they refer to in Chicago deep dish where, you know, like you, you have to eat it with a fork and a knife and one slice is basically enough to put you down for three weeks. Yeah, for people who are not, not aware, that is not pizza. Provel is a combination of cheddar, Swiss, and provolone. And like Brian said, you can mix uh, some mozzarella if you're looking for something a little more either traditional or I guess from the perspective of everybody who's not from St. Louis, identifiable uh, with pizza. But it's awesome. Like, and especially there, there's a place that's really best known in St. Louis for their pizza called Emos. Like anybody who's ever from St. Louis or lived in St. Louis knows Emos. Emos cuts their pizzas into squares. My, yeah. my daughter is used to have, and I think Brian's kids are like this too. She's used to having her pizza cut up in squares. Like I, I like when she first started seeing pizza from other places cut in triangles, that was weird to her because she grew up with me sure. cutting, you know, either frozen pizzas or pizzas that we made like the Trader Joe's kit or whatever. I always did them in squares because that's just how I grew up eating them. Like, and you know, I like a slice and all that, but I, given my druthers, I like, I am naturally wired to do them in squares. That's how you do it in St. Louis. It's honestly easier to like manage and just, you can, I agree. And you, you can have like two at the same time. You know, you, it's easier to, you know, so have multiple as things. a non-native, where do you come down on St. Louis style? Because like, it's easy for me to cape for it because I grew up there and I, you know, it, I will do it on principle as much as anything, but you didn't. So what do you think? Yeah, no, definitely ruin the, um, I think I prefer in general, like New York style, but people who are from New York are the biggest snobs about pizza and they should get over themselves. Um, but like in general, like, yeah, there's, it's actually really diverse. Uh, there's like really good, like Asian food in St. Louis mm -hmm. now. Uh, the Mexican food is really good too. Um, and of course, like you can't forget about like St. Louis barbecue. Uh, yeah, that's right. that that they've so, always had there was no there was no mexican food when we lived there none there were, no like, there's one well, we built, like, tex one tex-mex style casa gallardo casa baby gallardo. um their motto the was nothing of, nothing better north of the border that was a lie <laughs> 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 that, I, that was an absolute false bit of right. advertising their their actual motto was mexican food white people are comfortable with mm -hmm. A <laughs> lot, lot of shredded cheddar, a lot of iceberg lettuce, a lot of very, very mildly seasoned uh, ground beef. Well, if you go back there, I recommend going to like any Mexican spot on Cherokee Street. Um, okay. Okay. They have actually like good Mexican food there. Um, so I have a couple of ra rapid fire questions um, for both of you. Uh, what's your first sports memory? That's the first one. First sports memory. I think it's Bob Forsh pitching for the Cardinals. Like Bob Forsh mm. was my, Bob Forsh was my first athlete that I remember really liking. Like there may have been somebody before him, but he's the first that I really remember. He was a Cardinals pitcher from like the mid to late seventies through the mid to late eighties. Um, that's, that's who I, uh, I think first uh, associate with sports memories. I mean, his daughter went to our rival high school. Um, I would say for me, I, she's when, dead to me. I went to, uh, <laughs> I, I would say when the Cardinals won the series in 82, that's like a, one of the first fully formed memories I have. When I was really little though, I like the, I love Pete Rose and the Philadelphia Phillies. So I, I have memories of like Pete Rose running around doing Pete Rose stuff. Um, but then also <laughs> the St. Louis, yeah, <laughs> you remember the St. Louis steamers uh, of the old MISL? 
indoor soccer. That was a big deal. Um, I kind of, I, I love that Slobo Ilyovsky uh, and some of those dudes, but like it's, it's stuff like that. Um, but I would say the first one I can really remember is actually the Phillies from like the, the very early eighties. It was a All riveting right. answer to that question. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't say I was around in the 70s and 80s, but uh, I respect that. Um, and those, oh. those, uh, those memories are super vivid. Well, I, well, I, sure, I, sure, I, I bet I made you wish you were. <laughs> <laughs> um, so actually, as a Miami person, and now you guys are in L.A., what's the best version of LeBron? Best, it's still, I, I would actually say Cleveland in between. Um, I find this to be the most interesting mm-hmm. version of him because he is, uh, he is as comfortable in himself as I think he's been throughout his career. Um, I think he's satisfied on a personal level in ways that he wasn't in Miami, wasn't in, in either Cleveland stint, and he's almost as good as he was then as a player. So you kind of put all those things together, and there's none of the sort of the passive-aggressive um, – stuff that he would do in, in Cleveland, none of the stuff in Miami and, and all of that. And he's just, it, it, I find old athletes to be just more interesting than young ones, um, and particularly him. So I would say he was best in Cleveland when they won again, beat the Warriors, uh, but he's most interesting now. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I think the stories around LeBron or the storyline around LeBron was really interesting when he first got to Miami just because – he was cast as the villain and you had a lot of people rooting against him and he really tried to embrace wearing the black hat and he clearly was not comfortable with it at all, which I don't blame him. Most people are not comfortable in that role. Most people, you know, not just athletes, like people want to be liked, you know I mean? Like there are very few people who could be like Kobe was where you, you really, you know, relish the idea and actually, in his case, marketed the idea of being unlikable. Most people want to be liked. But, you know, there was also some interesting stuff going around with LeBron, like I think in terms of just sort of figuring out who he was as a person and then finally getting, you know, that that championship narrative off him, you know, winning a couple of them. So they've all been really interesting. the, The hardest part with LeBron in L.A., I think for me, is just as somebody covering the team, is haven't really been able to be around him as much as I would have really liked because that first season he was both injured and I think really outwardly disconnected from the team and disconnected from the franchise and his teammates. And, you know, it was, it's not going to go down as the greatest year of LeBron's career when it comes to leadership. But then the next year he was phenomenal as a leader, but we, and, and was actually really great to be around, but the access to him was not, has not been as, uh, I think, open as it was when Brian and I covered Kobe. It was just, it was just sort of a different time, a different uh, media relations department and stuff like that. So haven't had the opportunity to get to know him as well. And then, you know, ever since the pandemic happened, you know, I've not been, you know, in, in a, the same room with LeBron. So it's felt in a lot of ways, it's been, it's been interesting. I've never felt like I've ever been, you know, in sort of the orbit of a superstar professionally with this much distance with them. So like this, this has been an interesting phase in LeBron's career, but in some ways it hasn't felt quite as intriguing just because it's, there's been such, like I said, a distance between me and, and him that I'm not accustomed to with athletes that I've covered. Uh, Just out of curiosity, did that qualify for what you guys were talking about in terms of rapid fire? Um, Andy's answer there. (laughs) Almost. (laughs) 
<laughs> is that is that what you were going for with rapid fire? You, you really want to time yours? Yeah, yeah I bet oh, if we. I, oh, are you 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 really think my answer was longer than yours? I'm gonna run back the tape. <laughs> Please. Uh, I ran I ran a couple errands while you were doing that. <laughs> it, so real real quick, last final question: um, Who's your favorite up and coming basketball writer? Oh, you know who I love is Nikias Duncan. Uh, writes for yes. basketball news. He's great. He, he I mean, I guess real. it sort of depends on how where you how you define up and coming. Like uh, Paolo Jetti at the Ringer is fantastic. Uh, Yoban Buha at the Athletic is awesome. They're all really young. Uh, they've been around a little bit longer, but in terms of really new guys, I would say Nikias is right at the top of my list. I would have said the same things, but just shorter. <laughs> now now he's, all, he's all mad and sensitive. I love that the uh, the brother dynamic never never quite goes away. It never never fully dissipates, no matter what the uh, the situation seems to be. I love oh, that. Oh, uh, uh, so high with uh, uh, Yahoo. She's terrific. She's really really good. Excellent. All right, Kish, thank you so much for the questions. Uh, next up, we're going to keep it in Miami, and we're going to throw it to John. John's got a couple questions for you. Go ahead, John. All right. Well, let's stay in with the Miami focus here. Um, I know I've uh, seen Nikias on Twitter a ton because part of he Twitter um, down here, even though I think he's from South Carolina, but uh, I'm not. I'm not okay. Um, yeah, I, I heard your your interview with him uh, when you did the, your your pod. Uh, I don't know how many weeks ago that was, but that, that was very good also. But staying in the Miami realm, uh, I was wondering if you could offer some ideas as to uh, what the hell's wrong with the Heat this year, and how, how did they fall so far? From is it mainly injuries? Is it is it was it an outlier year last year because of pandemic? What exactly is happening there, and and why why is it crumbling? I think injuries and COVID have definitely played a role. They've been really, really disjointed. I, I also think they were they benefited a lot from being really built for the bubble. Like, you know, in terms of the discipline that, that's instilled playing for that organization. Like, Jimmy Butler loved the bubble. Like, I, he's the only player in the entire <laughs> league who loved being there. Like, like, LeBron made it clear every single opportunity you ever spoke to him, I fucking hate it here. I cannot wait to get out of here. Like I, I'm counting down the days. I'm telling you how many days I've been here just because I want you to know how long I've been here and how much I just absolutely fucking want to leave. If Jimmy Butler had his way, he would still be in the bubble, like commuting back and forth to games. Like that guy, that guy found his happiest place possible just playing basketball and making coffee. So I, and that's the leader of the team. So I, I, I think it was in certain ways, right place, I don't want to say right time because my God, what an awful time it was, but it worked out well for the heat in that sense. And, you know, the truth is they probably weren't quite as good as a typical final, typical final team. I think they were good. I don't know if they were that good. How dare you? <laughs> All right. That, and, that, and then that makes I, sense. I, I know um, just off completely off topic. Uh, I saw this um, question on, on the Twitter timeline about a uh, favorite favorite line from a movie that that gives away the movie i i would like to do a little twist on that and what's your favorite line that's obscure from the movie that you love that you feel uh when you say it and one other person doesn't matter if there's 100 people in there if just one person recognizes it you feel you feel fantastic and walk out of the room uh you know champion 
I'm going to make all this meat, Karen. You guys know that one? I'm going to make all this meat, Karen. I don't know. I'm going to make all of it. Oh, come on, guys. I don't know it. I don't know it. Come on. Does everybody give up? I give up personally. Yes. Yeah. It's in, it's in Goodfellas. It's during oh, the montage. It's during oh. the montage when Henry Hill, it's like that big montage before he eventually gets arrested. Yeah. And yep, yep. he out of his mind and he's back at the house helping with dinner and he's making those like hamburger bags. Like he's just on a Coke binge. He's like, I'm, I'm going to make all this meat, Karen. I'm going to make it all. He's watching the helicopters. The helicopters. Yes. During yes, all okay. that. During, and he's, he's working, he's working on, on, on the sauce that his brother has to keep stirring. Yep, he's making the yep, hamburger yep. meat. He's, he's got the uh, green beans that he's going to fry up just as an appetizer. Like, that part you almost had the uh the the henry hill voice there when when you did that too like i can hear ray liotta's voice when you when you're doing the movie a lot (laughs) (laughs) that's good brian what about you well andy andy likes to make fun of me and this is absolutely 100 deserved for not only making references like when we'll do when we'll do a podcast that nobody understands but like picking the most obscure line from a movie that nobody has seen and referencing that and then you know wondering why the joke doesn't land um (laughs) his audience there is basically me (laughs) yes one of my one of my favorites for that that is 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 the line from a movie called uh well it's the it's a good joke it's very unusual um from a movie called the freshman that we brought marlon brando movie that's fantastic. It's really funny. It is but really funny. It, it didn't do well. At, oops! It didn't do well in theaters because Brando trashed it. He went on was it Letterman Andy and trashed it. He trashed it a few places. Like that. Is that and movie about? Not not to cut you off. Is that movie about like eating rare animals or something? Yes. Yes. That's exactly okay. what it is. All right. I know exactly what you're talking it's about. It's 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 hysterical. It's it's a it's a Godfather spoof. So, sorry, I'm taking it. Oh, Buckle up, Brian. This is a really good joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's very unusual. Uh, um, <laughs> where this Brandon is our wheelhouse, is, by the way. Oh, sorry. This is also too um, a preview of what it's like. I don't know how much with, of that you got. I was going to say this is a preview of what it's like with Brian, where he doesn't realize people can't hear him and he just keeps talking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, this is a lot of what life with Brian is like. <laughs> Movie reference. The Wi-Fi in the car. I'm sorry, and I thought you were still explaining about LeBron's career. I didn't realize it was my turn. You <laughs> <laughs> would have kept talking either way. I love that the signal comes in just enough to roast Andy, and then it's out again. <laughs> it's perfect timing. I perfect think we're okay now. Now I'm on car Wi-Fi. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a really uh, impressive guy whose life you want to emulate because uh, I have Wi-Fi in the minivan. So, wow. You know, wow. You know, so, everybody so wants to be like this. So back to the freshman, we kind of lost you after uh, you said something about it being the a Godfather spoof. Yes, it is. Uh, you know, it's 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 Brando essentially playing him playing Don Corleone. OK. Um, and the 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 racket that they run is they they hold this incredibly lavish uh lavish like meals like gourmet stuff and it's the gourmet club and they eat endangered animals and charge people like you know a hundred thousand dollars a plate to do it matthew broderick ends up (laughs) kind of wrapped up in this uh because he's trying to earn extra money i think for for school um and uh he 
he uh, he ends. It's, it's a great movie. It's very it's just, It dates Brando's daughter, who's played by Penelope Ann Miller. Um, it's fantastic. Go see it. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, I'm going to throw it to Pamela uh, up in Virginia. I hope she's thawed out a little bit. I know it's cold up there. Pam, go ahead with your question. Hello, and good afternoon, or good evening for me. So, Hi. first both coming on at a time when I'm not falling asleep. It's normally not this coordinated for my schedule. I appreciate that. Um, I would like to know what each of your favorite movies are, like all time favorite movie, one movie. You, like if you had to pick one, the all time yeah. favorite? Movie that is just the all time favorite. Goodfellas. It's Goodfellas for me. Easy. All right. All right. Bro easy. Brian, what about you? I was on, I muted myself. Um, it's probably Goodfellas. I'm trying, I mean, you can put The Godfather, I love Butch Cassidy, but when it comes down to it, it's probably Goodfellas. It's just too good. Probably, uh, easily, probably the, uh, one of the most quotable movies of all time. I, I think that's what makes it so sticky in people's brains. It, it's also, too, it's underrated for its funny parts. Like, a lot of Goodfellas is hilarious. Like, I mean, just dark, sick humor. Like the, the scene the scene where Joe Pesci kills Spider and then he ends up arguing with one of the one of the mob guys there who isn't impressed because he didn't think he shot him from enough of a distance. He's like, <laughs> he's like, oh, you think you could do better? Like they just start arguing. And then De Niro is just upset, not because Spider's dead, but because he didn't want to go dig the hole. He's like, you're going to go dig the hole. And he's like, fine. It's the first hole I've ever dug. Like, I mean, like, that's what they're arguing about. Yeah, yeah. I also think uh, Casino is grossly underrated uh, for its its humor as well. Um, I, I, I love Joe Pesci in Casino is, is one of the funniest performances <laughs> I've ever seen. Yeah, the, the, the first hour or so of Casino where it's really you just learn how casinos work is yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh it's surprisingly informational and, and educational. Yeah, uh, that that whole system. Um, yeah, I'm fascinated by that whole time period. Hey, Pamela, how many how many people you got there? You have like a whole crew. I do. I have. <laughs> this is my sometimes <laughs> hangs out on podcasts with us. Okay, cool. Hi. Hello. <laughs> I'd I'd like to add that that um probably one of my the my favorite gifs of all time is the Ray Liotta laughing. Oh. So when somebody on Twitter says something so ridiculous or stupid or, or you know, uh, asinine, I hit him with that every time. At least, I think I go through it three times a day. I hit like, him with that one. You know, it's funny, like, I, Lee, I love Ray Liotta. And, you know, he's obviously had a really good career. But he's somebody that I think could have had a better career in terms of overall projects, things like that. Like, I think he's been more talented than some of the stuff that he's gotten. But I've always looked at him as somebody that, like, he could just say, I was front and center in one of, if not the greatest movies ever made. I right. held my own with De Niro and Pesci with Scorsese. Like, I, I was the center of this movie. And you can't ever take that from me. Like, I, like if, I ever, if I ever had one professional moment like that in my career, and I doubt I will, like that would be enough for me. Like, because <laughs> there, there are there are actors who you could look at and have said they've had better careers, but still never had a moment like that. They never had a role like that. 
But you're on our pod right now with your brother from his minivan. What are you talking it's about? It's true. It's true. No, I was going to say you're <laughs> undervaluing your gift potential because you're right there with magic. So oh, that is true. That's that's the moment that you have to build, you know, forward from. So I that's the stepping of... stone. So what's next? Speaking of how much I made it. Speaking of gifts, is that what we're going to measure movies by in the future? Instead of the number of quotes that uh, uh, that come from a movie that that becomes sticky, the number of gifts like that, that I feel like that's what that's we'll a great question. That, wow. that that's what will always perpetuate a lot of these these television shows like the office for instance i feel like more people are familiar with the gifts from the office than they are even the specific episodes well it's like you know it's funny like i mean it's like saturday night live now is is a show that's made to consume over twitter yeah. so like that makes Very sense true. that you that you that you start to do it that way because nobody you don't quote lines in the same way anymore at least i, exactly. I don't know what do the young people do <laughs> um, what are they? Marriage people do. Uh, re- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ask uh, Pamela. You've you've got an expert right there beside right. you. Uh, next to Pamela. <laughs> what do you? What do you? You young person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> can't watch it on TikTok. That's clear. That's clear. You can't see it on TikTok. It's not worth their yeah, time. Yeah, the, the next generation of movies is going to be shot and designed to to consume on TikTok. To the point you were making about uh, gift consumption uh, and recognition of movies, like there's that one really, really heavily used gif of Denzel, you know, expressing relief. Oh, yeah. Like that yes. one. I'm pretty sure that's from the movie Fallen. Nobody saw that movie. That's true. <laughs> like, that's that true. One, it's not very good. It's not one of Denzel's best. It's certainly not one of his most memorable. There are people who recognize Denzel more from fallen like that one piece of fallen that one visual of fallen than like a lot of way way better denzel movies or like even denzel that scene of him um on broadway slamming the door like everyone knows that gift nobody saw him on broadway like like how many of the people that actually use that denzel door slamming gift don't even know that it's not from a movie right right yeah, the uh, the fallen. That's the one with the the Rolling Stones song and John yes. Goodman, right? Uh, yeah, uh, time is on my side. That's right. That's right. Uh, Pretty man, sure I that's have, the one. Yeah, I need to go watch that again. No, you don't. Well, uh, fellas, <laughs> uh, the, the, this is uh, we we have we've gone around the room. We've gotten to everybody's questions. I just want to thank you again for for joining us for this uh for this podcast for this episode of Lower After Hours. Um, uh, pl- plug all of your pluggables if you don't mind. Where can everybody find you? Well, the big one is the late night happy hour, which you guys were kind enough to mention in the beginning. That's from ten to eleven Pacific time on our uh, primarily through our our Twitter feed and Periscope at Cam Brothers. But you can also find it at Kamenetsky Brothers on both Facebook and on YouTube uh, if you want to watch it live there and you subscribe, you never miss a show. Um, so that's that's that. Um, we have the Land of Lakers podcast. Um, what else is there, Andy? Um, what else is there? Uh, we occasionally write for The Athletic, so uh, be, be on the lookout for that. Um, and, you know, we're... And and the best Mitch Mitch Kupchak impression you could ask for. Oh, thanks, very, thanks, guys. Very kind of you. Thank you. Jeff. It's nice. Appreciate Thank it. You. Thanks, guys. <laughs> uh, 
This is this is wow. This is I, I didn't I didn't know Mitch Kupchak was going to join us this evening. This is incredible. Oh, all you yeah. have to do is ask. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy. Enjoy doing a little bit. We 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 grew to I. I'm not going to say that we are the first people at 710 uh, ESPN, the LA ESPN affiliate, who did the Mitch impression. But I'm I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure we are the ones who sort of created. <laughs> like I don't know. I'm like pretty sure we were. I'm pretty sure we were the first ones. Um, <laughs> well, we invented a lot, of, a lot. We invented a lot of shit over there. Oh, we, we did. Well, that we we did invent a lot of shit over there. They stole the blame pie like, from us. Yeah, like yeah. most like most trailblazing pioneers, we will not be appreciated until we're dead. But I, I feel like we were the first to give like sort of a, a permission to everybody else, like to, for them to feel free to do the Mitch impressions on air because we were so obnoxious with it, doing it so often. It felt like everybody else could jump in. It's like, I, I think I came up with uh, the term the Rambi for Kurt and Linda Rambus. Um, I think it was me. Um, but I know that all I know is that after I said it, I started noticing everybody else calling him that. And in mm -hmm. both cases, we heard they were not fans. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can tell you from my understanding, uh, Mitch, who was always wonderful to us, very nice Great. person. He's a really terrific, wonderful, guy. wonderful person. Didn't think the impression was funny. Oh, no. <laughs> no he, he was much nicer to us than, frankly, we deserved uh, him being. Uh, Most he, people are. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> Um, uh, also, before we go, shout out to all the Lebertard fans. We are we are among them. So everybody, uh, looking forward to seeing what comes next with Metal Arc and all that. We are we are looking forward to it too. Excellent, excellent. Well, uh, fellas, we could not be more appreciative of your time. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, uh, and uh, I know you've got handyman and Brian has got soccer. No, we just got to soccer. Stuff. We just we I, just made it to soccer practice. This is, okay, this is... excellent. So, okay, that well, that is if that's not a resolution, I don't know what is right there. We we're gonna land the podcast right as Brian gets to soccer practice, so you know he got there safe. He got his kids there safely, and uh, hopefully they have a great practice and yeah, a safe I, one. I appreciate your flexibility here. This is uh. Not everyone would be willing to be like, hey, do you mind if I just throw the kids in the car <laughs> while we're doing this and, and just walk around and drive around and all that? This is a ton of fun. Anytime you guys uh, want to have us back, it'd be, it'd be great. Uh, we, we will definitely take you up on that. Uh, we'll uh, we'll get more impressions out of you and have more movie questions for you next time because uh, it sounds like you guys can talk about movies just as much as you can talk about basketball. Uh, yeah, so I prefer I'm, it often. We're, <laughs> we're definitely here for that. All right, everybody on the count of three, can I get a thank you? Oh, man. Thank you, Commence Kamenetsky Brothers. That's going to be a mouthful. One, two, three. Thank you, Cameras. Thank you, Cameras. Thank you, Cameras. Thank you, so sweet. Thank you. Really sweet. Thank you. Thanks for joining Thank us, guys. Guys, thanks for joining us. Have a great evening. Yeah, you guys as well. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Lauer After Hours. You can always reach us on Twitter at Lauer After Hours or Instagram at Lauer After Hours. We're available wherever you get podcasts, so don't forget to download, subscribe, review, and rate five stars.